Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Wow, episode 15 of the Total B She Show back in with Mike Davidson once again. This episode, it's going to be my favorite one. I can tell already we haven't even touched any of it, but I already love it, Mike. I got to tell you something. Um, so if I'm off my game today, it's because I've got a concussion because you make me go downstairs to come into the <laughs> studio and I hit my head and I'm selling like you wouldn't believe, um, but I'm going to be okay. But if I say anything that's weird today, it's just because I got a concussion. It don't, wouldn't, don't it wouldn't make be the first up. time somebody said Mike Davidson's a little punchy. <laughs> there you go. Um, what do you want to talk about today? I know we've got a special guest of honor this week because it's his 80th birthday. Tony Candelo is going to join us in studio, but there's so many other things that we glance over that we could talk about about today or we could just be she's like normal well you know what like in the world of professional wrestling and we've kind of veered into talking a little bit about mainstream wrestling yeah people love it it's almost seemed i, I mean and it, it's not true but it almost seems like it's a quiet week because of the past few weeks we've had have been bananas yeah so like it's almost been a little bit of a respite week in terms of you know what's going on nobody's gotten fired this week Nobody's got any new scandals that I'm aware of. I'm sure they're out there. But. You better hope between the time we talk and the time this drops that someone big doesn't get fired because then you're going to look yeah, bad. Yeah, when this drops, it's like, oh, Jim Ross gets fired or something like that. I'll be like, oh, come on. You yeah. know, if Jim Ross gets fired, you're going to look like Rain Man or something that you can just pick that out of nowhere. That would be amazing. Or Jim Ross isn't getting He's fired. Get, no, but, I, um, I, and I, I don't mean it would be amazing that he got fired either. Let's talk about something quickly here. I hear from promoters all the time. And last week we talked about maybe we should do a live podcast for right. a live event. Yeah. And right away I said it would be Winnipeg Pro Wrestling and right away they invited us to do that. So September 9th, it's a Friday night. I think we might show up and set up some gear and do it while they're yeah. setting up. And we'll get the ambiance of their events and we'll do our podcast live from there. And I might learn something in there. It's funny because people think, oh, Mike Davidson's a know-it-all and he always likes to be right and da-da-da. There's nothing I like more than being wrong. Dave Cote actually reached out to us and corrected us on and how it, it said. It, it is, is Cote. The, yeah, it's the French say, It's the French spelling. He, he missed the accent. He thanked us for the debate and we're going to continue that debate. I don't need to be right. I can be wrong. I can have my vision for what wrestling could be, and I value the people who are going to counterpoint it, and it's part of going to be what makes this show more magic. Um, I want people to understand something. When I, when I preach what I believe, I might be wrong. A lot of times I'm right. The things I said about Adam Knight, I was right. There's not one person who took me to task. And if you think it's because nobody listened to it, those were the most listened to segments of B. She's yep. history. Do you know how many people contacted me and said, you hit it on the head with Adam Knight? Probably a dozen. More than a dozen. Yeah. We're talking dozens, multiple. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't like Adam Knight. It just, the fact that I went to so much energy and trouble to say what I thought about Adam Knight is actually because I respect him. People say, oh, it doesn't sound like you respect him. Yes, if I'm going to talk about people individually, I must respect them. Otherwise, I would just glance over it and say some guy, without saying the name, yeah. right? When I talked about, uh, you know, a menu. If, you're, if you know you're a bad wrestler and you know you don't fit on a wrestling show, do not put yourself on a wrestling show, right? But wrestlers do it all the time. There's so many things like that that we've talked about now, 14 episodes of Bees, She's. There's little pearls of wisdom. Now, I'll tell you, when I promoted WFX, AWE, PCW, if there was somebody who knew a lot, I wanted to pick their brain. And that's, I'll tell you, a guy who I loved picking his brain all the time was Tony Candelo. Yeah. Because he had seen so much, even if he's wrong on some things. He only has to be right about the thing he's get. I only have to know one thing he's right about to be able to use it to make my show better. Right. I, to the promoters who've reached out and asked me for advice, I am thankful for that. Lots of them have. There's lots who haven't. Maybe they don't listen to the show. Or maybe they do and they just roll their eyes. Do you, I'll do me. It's all good. Yeah, that, and that's just the thing. We're not forcing anybody to do anything. Our inbox is open 
totalbsheez at gmail.com. Our social media is open on uh, Instagram, totalbsheez. On Facebook, totalbsheez. Also, the YouTube channel as well. Check that out as well. That's not a social media, but I'm just throwing yeah. it in there. Um, you know, like we're we're open to criticism too. And I mean, we've gotten a couple ribs too. And it's like, you know, someone's like, uh, that's not, not worth even talking about. Like, well, if you want to rib us, we I no, love a good rib I and I'll rib you rib back. T- I love a good rib too. But like the, the sort of, I don't even want to call it a rib because they're so facile. It's like not even worth my time to even talk about it. It's a lot of fun for me when we have a a studio guest. Today's our second one. First one was Wayne Stanton. Today it's Tony Candela who's standing by. I love having people to come in and and talk, tell their story. Today it was specific. It was 80th birthday for Tony Candelo today. And I wanted to make sure we celebrated it and, and, and gave him a chance to say his piece. 50 years as a promoter. It's amazing. Yeah. Roddy Piper, Edge, all those people. He's going to tell the story today because I'm going to take him there. And, you know, sometimes we don't have a guest. Like when we talked about Vince at length, it would be too hard to fit in the big story and the guest at the same time, right? Like when we talked about Vince, we went real deep on that one. And we should because we wouldn't have been fans if it hadn't been for what Vince had done. No, 100%. And and as you said, you and I were kind of talking off the air, we are almost Nostradamic in some of the stuff we talked about. We were ahead of the dirt sheets. Somebody said it sounded like I had just listened to Brian last and then regurgitated it. But if you watched when our episode dropped and if they knew our production schedule, we actually produce a lot of those things three or four days ahead of yeah. that. Um, I knew that Vince was in trouble as a publicly traded company because he depends too much on the value of, of his ability to do business with other brands, sponsorships, doing business with buildings, doing business with broadcasters. And the more the story comes out, the more he's in trouble. It does not look good for Vince McMahon. And even now people say, like I said, he'll go into the hall of fame. He, I, I do believe he goes into the hall of fame. But I think that there might, it's going to be interesting how they get him in there. There's a couple of ways they could do it. And we're not going to talk about this too long, but I actually envision them not advertising Vince McMahon goes into the Hall of Fame next year, having some huge star. Where are they next year in Los Angeles? LA, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, I might be wrong. okay. Whoever it is goes in next year as their big feature. And then as the last guest out walks Stephanie McMahon and says, we, realistically there's no hall of fame without this man but, but, and they do an impromptu hall of fame induction and that way they don't have to deal with potential pushback who knows how bad this story is going to get that's the that that's the catalyst right there because if it gets any worse i don't know how they can even do it that way i don't even think they could well, they do could it. do it if they don't advertise it and it's yeah but it's still you're still going to get a blowback i mean just because you didn't advertise it doesn't mean that sponsors aren't going to be mad after the fact yeah be like we're pulling you pulled a fast one here we're pulling our dollars uh, i guess the problem is right now is how disgraced is he because he retired if he didn't retire if he remained in limbo he would be more disgraced and right now he could go in but as you say who knows what's going to come in the next i guess few it depends weeks, on the pressure months. he exerted to get like let me tell i say this all the time do if if you work anywhere if you work at a i don't know you work at an office you sell insurance and there's you're a guy and there's a female that sits two chairs over and she sells insurance you really shouldn't hit on her at work. No. And, and, and if you start flirting and it becomes a little bit flirty, you got to really, you got to really be careful in today's day and age. That's sexual harassment. I remember when I was in broadcasting school in 1999 and my instructor's name was Joe McDonald and he was a wild one. He, Rama Lama, he was like, he was wired weird. And he used to say, Mike Davidson, you're not going to get past the receptionist. You're going to get, you're going to get caught for, for sexual harassment because your sense of humor yeah. is, is inappropriate. And I was like 19 or 20 at the time. And I thought, what does he know? And if he said that in 95. 99. 99. Wow. And it was just, you know, like you made, like, (laughs) I got to be careful. I'm going to end up me tooing myself. I, I probably wasn't that bad, but you know, it was a different time. But Vince McMahon, like there had to be, the problem with what happened to Vince is nobody was there to police him. There was, yeah. everyone was yes men and no one was there to say, Vince, if you do this, you're opening yourself up to the following liabilities. If somebody had been there to do that, whether it be, uh, the lawyer, um, De- De- McDivitt, McDivitt, yeah. Or if it, Jerry. Had, yeah. Or if it had been Tony Con or Nick Con rather, <laughs> Tony Con, hey, competitor, but somebody had to be there to say, you can't act like this, but Vince should have also known what the line was. One of the problems in WWE is there's too much intermingling between women and men. 
And that should have been, somebody should have put a nip that in the bud, as they say. But that's that. That's all I want to say about Vince. He did it. I think he's going in the Hall of Fame, but I think they're going to find a way to sneak him in as opposed to promote it. It just, it, for me, it's just how bad it gets. Uh, that's what, that's going to be whether he goes in this year or not. If it, if it doesn't get any worse than it is now. Yeah. If he doesn't go in next year, he's going in posthumously after that's, that's after he goes. And that's where I was going with it. But yeah. Mike, we have a special guest standing by. Yeah. Without further ado, let's go to break. Let's get Tony all wired up and let's let's talk to Tony Candela. This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course wrestling collectibles galore as a loyal total b she show listener you can get 10 percent off your order using the code bees she's again the code is b-e-e-z s-h-e-e-z one word and receive 10 percent off your order firstrow.ca canada's online collectible store Welcome back to the Total Bees She Show. Only the second guy ever to come into studio f- as a guest with us. Uh, the first one was Wayne Stanton. And this one, it's his 80th birthday today as we speak. It is Tony Candelo, legendary Canadian wrestling promoter. The longest active wrestling promoter probably on the planet right now. Tony, how are you? You know, Mike, it's been a long time I haven't talked to you. I think that was the last time I did a, a talk on, on the mic was with the... Uh, but, but, but what's his name? Chris Jericho, Cyrus. No, 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 no. It was on your shows. My shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did the eulogy for Bushwhacker Luke. Bushwhacker <laughs> Luke. You know, it's been a long time. It seems like yesterday, but it's been a while. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. And uh, what else are we going to talk about? Wrestling, right? Well, we're going to talk about you, man. It's your 80th birthday, and you've been doing it since 1972, correct? Correct. That's when I opened up the school here in Winnipeg. Yeah. Okay. So things that happened in 1972. What what year did you find Roddy Piper? 1972. Excellent. Was that also the time Ric Flair wrestled his first match at the Winnipeg Arena for Vern Gagne? Uh, probably. I can't yeah. recall that. But uh, Terry Mahalik took the picture. Terry Mahalik. Yeah. Where is he? Has you ever seen him around town? He's around town, yeah. I bet he's got some good photos. Yeah, probably. He's probably got photos of you. What, is ha- what has changed the most in 50 years of promoting, which also coincides with your 80th birthday, what are the biggest things that have changed with technology and the internet and the websites and all that stuff? Has it made it easier or harder? Well, those days, I, I would call it wrestling. You mm-hmm. know, it's a more of a, I wouldn't call it a completely shoot, but, you know, if you had a match, you knew you, had, you, knew you wrestled right after it. Yeah. And uh, today, things have changed, you know. Uh, actually, what made Vince McMahon, I do recall, uh, because, you know, he's a billionaire, but, uh, <laughs> whatever, he had a music to the wrestling. Yeah, and he brought all kinds of different talent. Yeah, that's actually what made him. But today, as you know, uh, WWE, the way they produce the event, is more talking and whatever the gimmick they have. But you know what? He cannot. Uh, uh, how would you say? He cannot say that he's a failure. No, he made a lot of money in the wrestling game. Yeah, that is your difference between nine, in the sixties or the fifties, whatever. Yeah, those days, you know, you grab a guy in a headlock, he knew. He knew that you had him in a headlock. Yeah. Two days, all, all kinds of movements and whatever. But, you know, it goes over. Okay. You can't knock those guys down, but I'll tell you, they're no. a big crowd. You bring up something very interesting. So Vince McMahon changed wrestling in about 1984. It changed in Winnipeg definitely around that time, 85, 86. You were a part of that. Yes, Did it was. make it harder for you as an independent promoter to do what you did based on what Vince McMahon did with television at that time? Well, of course, because all of a sudden, he classified his wrestling entertainment. Yeah. We used to be called sport. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and of course, he had the power of television. You know, he looked yeah. up every station there might be. And without television, it's very hard to get an audience, as you know. Yeah. And... uh He's still going. Yeah. Now he's retired. I understand. He's not going anymore. He's in trouble right now. Yeah, that's what you I outlasted heard. him. Now, now you're more yeah. successful than Vince McMahon. Well, even though he's got billions and we still have a necklace of diamonds, man, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's a different story completely, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to I want to drill down on that. So, because 
the era has changed. And you know that now as an 80-year-old. Um, so in the 80s, Vince had, he took over the CKD time slot that Vern Gagne had. But you had CKY television, which was a much more stronger station. So te- you, you had the ability to reach more viewers than Vince McMahon did. At that time, the CKY television, the viewers could see it, I think it was 95 or 97% yeah. of the population. And uh, I was running, uh, they were running the episode of WFWA or IWA, whatever I was doing. Uh, every Sunday at 5 o'clock was a... Good time slot. Prime, 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 yeah. prime time. I'm going to tell you why I got out of the CKY television programming. The Rock... The church on Pembina Highway. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna Church I'm, of the Rock. Church of the Rock. I remember uh, the management of CKY television. Tony, these guys are paying two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the year for them to be on TV. So they took my spot. See what I used to do those days. I used to tape the event. Yeah. And give it to CKY Television. Yeah. For promotion purpose. Yeah. Free of charge. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost me anything either. Yeah. I used to get a few bucks for uh, commercials. Is about it. Yeah. But you know, I had a, I had a very good deal. And when somebody, Church of the Rock, comes along and pays yeah. CKY $250,000, of course I'm going to be out. So that's, that's, sort of, that's sort of how Vince took over TV from Vern Gagne in, in Winnipeg, right? The story goes that Jack Lanza jumps from WW, or from AWA to WWF, and then Vince makes a deal with CKND Television where he puts money down the, on the table for them to drop Fern Gagne and take Vince McMahon's TV. So you went through that with Church of the Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah the <laughs> same thing. Anyway, at that time, uh, I, uh, Blackjack Lanza had the contract with uh, uh, the station you just mentioned. Yeah, CKND TV. CK, CKND TV. Yeah. And then he made the switch. Yeah. And of course... Took the TV with him. Yep, and they give it to... Uh, Vince. To Vince, that's what happened. And then you... Mr. Counter Programmer did a deal around that time with UWF, Bill Watts and Jim Ross. Do you remember that? 1986? Of course I did. He had a hell of a tape. He had a great tape. And uh, the reason I uh, hired the the American talent is because, as you know, Mike, I had a deal going with uh, local guys. Yep. Pretty good guy. Nothing personal. We're talking about wrestling here. Yep. If I say the wrong word, don't get offended. Oh, don't worry. But and I'm talking about the audience who might be listening. <laughs> I've said the point. I had an exclusive contract with every single guy in the city. Yep. And that one paragraph says, you cannot wrestle for another promoter without the promoter's permission. Yep. And I knew after I broke the monopoly of Vern Gagne those days, he was the only promoter in uh, Manitoba. Yep. Now, I broke that monopoly that he had. I became the second promoter in Manitoba. And I knew after me, somebody else was going to build a ring or whatever. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. My reason was you cannot wrestle for another promoter uh, without my permission. Is a reason for it. It's business-wise. Because if you are my, if you are my champion of the IWA, yep. and another guy builds a ring and he calls you, uh, to wrestle for him, and all of a sudden your name is Mike Davison, and he called you Joe Smith. You're dead fish on my TV. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. So when that happened, everybody was here in a hood. So I wouldn't identify with them, but I know. People tell me this stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I fired every single one of them. Yep. And what I said to them, my last word to them was this. Gentlemen, good luck for what you're doing, because you're going to deserve it. You're going to need it. Mm-hmm. Because the way you think is not professional at all. I call them... Then I say, I keep calling what, flunkies? Yeah, local okay, flunkies. Well, call them flunk. <laughs> and you know what? So you die flunky? No, you're born a flunky, you'll die flunky. You know what? And none of those guys ever made it up to date. Yeah. So one of the things on this podcast we try to do is give promoters and wrestlers ideas where they can work together better to make the programming or, or was, the product better, the that promotion was, better. That was my, another, my, my next idea. Yeah. I told every one of them, after you got three, four promoters, let's get it together. Yeah. Let's work together so we get somewhere, right? Yeah. But nobody did. They want to no. be on their own. It's all a lot of ego, and it's a lot of people who think that they they have... They have I always find that they have a, a pride in ownership when they're an independent promoter, and they think what they, they think they have an idea that makes it better. And, they, and I've preached about it in every episode, but today it isn't about that. It's about you and the things that you did over the course of 50 years as a promoter and 80 years in life. Mike, when I opened up the school back in 72... I, uh, the program was, they were paying me $40 a month, okay, for a club fees. I had rent to pay every, I was downtown, whatever I was. Yeah. And my 
teaching-wise, you got to be in the gym for one solid year and two years on the road. Yep. Okay? After the, 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 after the, uh, the, the school teaching, whatever I did, the most that you learn in wrestling is in front of a crowd. Yep. That's what you really learn. But today now, I know people, I'm not going to mention no name, but you know exactly who am I talking about, <laughs> local, whatever, out of town, whatever. They, they show you a headlock, yep. give an example, a, a few holes. In two months, you're a wrestler. They put it in front of the audience. And what the audience is going to get? You know what? Bad wrestling. Yep. You cannot learn in, uh, in a couple months unless you're... Uh, a genius or something. I yeah, don't know. It's like they're trying to sprint to the finish line to get them into yeah. the ring. Of course. Yeah. So forty dollars a month in nineteen seventy two. What would that prorate to to today's money? That would have been like two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. So they, they had to be serious about it to make yeah. that kind and of. Some of them were commitment. serious. Some of them, uh, of course, you know, uh, this kid is was seventeen years old. Of course, when he approached Roddy me, Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. I mean, God bless his soul, but I'll tell you, he gave me a 17-year-old, he come in, a cocky little guy, and so forth, he wants to be a wrestler. Yeah. He gives me $10 down payment. Yeah. He had a contract with me and all that stuff. Yeah. I never say another dime, Mike. I really haven't from him. There's that, that. so much that he could have done to repay you over the years after. But beside the point. Including coming in for an autograph session the point, or wrestling why match. But they don't do that. See, yeah. once you... But anyway, the story of him was that uh, I, uh, one night... Was with me about a year, two years, something yeah. like that. Took him on the road and whatever. And uh, the way he got his name was was uh, 1973 in February. Now June 5th, 1973 was going to be his first match. And of course, I booked him against myself, right? Yeah. I knew I thought him to be a villain and a, a good guy and so forth. He says to me, "Tony, I'm going to be late for workouts." What are you talking about? I said, "Leave the young ladies alone and come and work out." No, no, he says, I'm taking music lessons. He comes back to the club, about quarter to 10 that evening. I says to him, did you finish your music lessons? You don't believe me, do you? No, I don't believe you. He goes in his car, he brings his bagpipes. Yeah. I say, Can you play those things? He loads them up, he could play. Yeah, the light bulb I, went on. Yeah, yeah, then I started thinking. I says, have you got the skirt that goes along with it? You mean the kilt? <laughs> yeah, anyway, he had the uniform. With him. Not, not, not me knowing that he belonged to uh, a club here in the city. Yeah. So I have a good name for you. His name is Roderick Toombs, as we all know. I says, I'm going to call you Rod Piper because <laughs> the bagpipes, <laughs> yeah. I come up with the Piper. Yeah. But anyway, that stuck for a while. And then, of course, he had one habit on the road. Those days, today is legal, but yeah. not those days, <laughs> smoking marijuana. I said, Mike, I'm not a stick in the mud. When I'm driving to go to a town, yeah. wherever we're going, Please do not smoke in the car because there's a reason for it. RSMP stops you. They put a big nose inside the yeah. car. They smell you. I'm in trouble. Every one of you in the car could be in trouble. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so one day he's smoking. The whole car is full of smoke. He smokes more than I do. Yeah. I, do, I don't smoke marijuana, <laughs> but I'm a smoker. But beside the point, I said, Rod, come on, please. Tell him to stop the van and smoke. He says to me, who do you think you are? My father told me what to do. Stop this van. We went outside and we had it. Right? Yeah, duked it out. Duked it out. Uh, he, gave me, uh, he gave me two stitches of cinnamon. He was pretty good with his fist. Yeah. But I got the best of him. He was only 17 years old. Okay, yeah. beside the point. We met up. No problem. We finished the tour. About a year, two years later, he said, Tony, can you do me a favor? I said, no problem. If I can, why not? Yeah. So I'm engaged to be married to Miss Manitoba that year, 1973. Okay. Right? I don't know what to do. Hit the road and become famous, yeah, or get married. So I cannot answer that question. What did he do? He left, left her girlfriend, left her behind, left her behind without even telling her anything. Yeah, and I met her later on. Yeah, <laughs> I met her later on this lady because it was in the hair business, and she knew who I was. Yeah, and uh, she came to my beauty salon, and I had the one on uh, Southwood Mall, whatever it was. Says she wanted to know if I told him to hit the road. That's all she wanted to know. As a young, young lady said, no, I never told him that it was his own decision. And I never seen her again, right? Yeah. Wow. And that was the story of him. And then, of course, last time I seen him was 1981, 82. Yeah. I worked with Vince McMahon. Was it 1981? I no, I think him. that was 85 or 80, 85 at Convention Center. Was that you who Yeah, that him, was me, yeah. Who brought him in. Andre yeah. worked against, because yeah. he had, Vern was going head-to-head -head with, with WWF that night. Vern was at the arena with... Uh, 
I don't remember what That's his lineup right, was. Because and for, and WWF brought in Andre and Hogan at the convention center. Yeah, well, the, the, I brought him in, in a, you know, we yeah. made a deal, but whatever it was. And uh, Piper was on that show. No, no. no, no. And would you have you would you have bumped into him when he was here for Vince in '91 against Flair, maybe? That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. '91. He he made event with Ric Flair. So anyway, what happened was Blackjack lands. I was in the back room, right? Yeah. Hello to Pisces. January '92. It was. Well, you got good memory yeah. than I have. You know more about <laughs> wrestling than me. Beside the point, I said, say hello to Piper. Jack did. He comes back to Tony. I apologize, but he doesn't want to talk to nobody in Winnipeg. Yeah. I always wondered why. Yeah. Then I seen him walk out with the five, six security. Yeah, right to the airport, I've heard. Yeah, whatever. He was involved with something you, not, yeah. not good, okay? Yeah. And uh, another time, Bob Holiday, as you know him. Yeah. He went to watch WrestleMania in the States. I said, hello to Piper. And he did. Yep. So Piper this time, his brain was already fogged up a bit from yep. whatever he was smoking. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, he was crushing his head. He says, geez, I know that name, Tony Condalo. Yeah. He's already, you yeah. know, upstairs. You know, was not working too good. But finally, you remember. Oh, a little short telling of a big mustache. Tony, that's <laughs> all I remembered. Yeah. And that's the last time I'd actually heard about him. Yeah. And that's about it, really, with Piper. But, you know, through me, with all kinds of people, yeah. went through big times because they listen, yeah. most of them. Not all of them. I would say maybe 2%, 3%. I said, listen, guys, if you happen to get lucky in life to work for a big promoter, million, millions of dollars involved here, remember this. Like, okay, i give you an example. Vince McMahon is no Tony Condello, that he wants to be, he wants to be friendly with you, associate with you. And yeah to pass the time on long trips, you'll never probably see him. You talk to their agent. Yeah. You remember five little things. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Or tell me you want me to be at the arena. Don't be late. Do your stuff in the ring and mind your own business. Yeah. What can if I that, do for you tonight? That's it. If that promoter, wherever it might be, the big timer, likes you what you do, he makes you a millionaire. No doubt about it. Yeah. If you don't, it'll spit you out like a piece of gum. So, Roddy Piper, there's the story. He's not the only one you helped on the way up. You know, Piper's the big one that you helped from the ground floor. But if it, in the 1990s, yeah. there's names like Jericho, Edge, Christian, Rhino, Don Callis, even to a degree Kenny Omega. There were so many people you helped and and realistically discovered them like nobody knew who Adam Copeland, Adam Impact, you know, was when you found him. But from working for you on the road, and granted he had a lot of God given talent, but he becomes a, one of the biggest stars in the industry today. Exactly. How was that in the nineties when you had that magic touch for all those guys that were right there? Well, close you to see, going. those days I had the television, right? And yeah. These guys they had no TV nowhere, and they knew that I had it, and I started to know them and. Uh, the story about Edge and uh, Christian, I happened to be in Toronto, visiting my uh, daughter there, and I got a call from Carlo DeMarco. Yeah. He says, Tony... Uh, used to be it? WWF president for er, president of WWF Canada. Exactly. Nice guy and all that. I don't know if he's still alive. I have no idea. I don't know. But anyway, besides, I hope he is. Maybe he'll be 100 years old if he is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but beside the point, he says, Tony, uh, take these two kids under your wing and don't do me any favors. In other words, make more work hard. Yeah. Cause those days that, uh, you know, we were doing quite a few matches and plus had the Norton tour going, right? Yeah. I says, okay. I knew what was going to happen, right? No problem. But this two, especially edge and Christian, when you're up North going through hell through those winter roads, you know, and getting there and all of a sudden, uh, uh, they never refused me once what I asked them to do. Never. Yeah. And the thing was with those two guys, you know, you, you set up the ring in the afternoon. They were practicing the ring up to the event every single day. Yeah. And I knew their their attitude was incredible. They're the good workers. Yeah. Good people. Yeah. Great I, men. I knew that those two guys going to hit, yeah. but I didn't know when. I had the clue, of course, of Carl DeMarco, right? Yeah. You know. And uh, I was in Ontario that time on some reservation. I forgot the name of it. And uh, um, he called, uh, Edge called, uh, his name was not Edge at that time. 
uh, I think it was Copeland, Adam Copeland. Adam Impact. Adam Impact. There you go, Mike. I was on the tour too. When he got to the call, when yeah, he when he had to go and he used the fax machine at the band office to get the paperwork all in place, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry to, sorry no, to take it's your okay, story. okay, no problem. Yeah. I, you, you started trying to remember the stories, yeah. right? I do recall him, he was on the phone to start yeah. when he got the call and he jumped 20 feet in the air. Yeah, it was a big kayfabe, but yeah. 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 Oh, you were there with me? I was there, yeah. Oh, yeah, now I remember. Hold JT it, Atlas hold was it, hold it, hold it. Now I remember, driving back. Poor guy, Mike Davidson didn't have a chair. <laughs> that was a, yeah, that was the first tour. I had to sit on the floor of the van. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I gotta rib you now. <laughs> I think it was Christian. Oh, yes. I think it was Christian. He says, Tony, look at this guy. I say, Who? Mike, it was you. Mike yeah. Davidson. How does it look like? I said, I don't know. I mean, does it look like he said it looks like a mole. Really, <laughs> yeah. But anyway. It became my nickname to this day. People call me Mole Face. Do they? Yeah. But it was just the mole. Nobody knows this. They're like, oh, it's Mole Face. And it's like anyway. Tony calls me Mole. <laughs> and then you called me Mole Smith a couple times on shows. Mole Smith. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, that was on the tour. So the whole thing was Adam. It, something was up, but Adam wasn't telling anyone. He kept it to himself, oh, which he course. should, confidential. Yep. Yep. And you were driving him to the band office all the time. We're like, what's going on here? Like, We thought maybe Adam was being adopted to the reserve. There you go. <laughs> and it turned out he was doing paperwork and, and talking to WWE to, to do his developmental yeah, deal. Yeah. And then and then that was that. He signed his deal and was on tour with you. And so many of those guys made it around the same time. And it was like, you think about it, Don, you, had Rick, you brought Rick Martell in to help groom Don Callis, right? Yes, I... Uh... Uh, yeah, a lot of matches with him. With Don Callis, he was, he's a different, completely personality <laughs> type of guy. You know, he's, he goes in his own little world, right? Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, he got canned from WWF at that time. It was WWE. Yeah, WWF. 1997, he came in as Jackal. Jackal, yeah. Yep. You know why he got fired, he got fired right? Uh, I've heard different stories, but you would know so the only right one. one story. Yeah, let's hear it. Triple H says to Vince, hey, that Young kid that's got the same hairdo as I have. Yeah. Tell him to cut it off. I, of course, Don Callis, he's got no hair today. Beside the point, <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen him for a while, but beside the point, uh, he was a good friend to Bret Hart that yeah. time. And Bret Hart that time was a champion. Yeah. What year was that, Mike? 97, but Bret was getting ready to leave around the same oh, okay. time. Exactly. Yeah. He around the Montreal screw He job. went to talk to Bret to tell Vince, I don't want to cut my hair, right? Yeah. No problem. Uh, Brett went to Vince and gave him the message, right? So now they call Callis in the office. Yeah. Uh, here's your money that we promised you. Uh, yeah, they, they f do fill up their contract. We'll call you. Don't call us. Goodbye. Yeah, and he sat at home for six months until he got released. There you go. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and then he ended and up going to ECW right that's after. That's all he had to do. Cut his hair. still be there probably. Well... Who you know, I, know. I get it though. I, I kind of get it. Like if, if I was told, Hey, you got to drastically change who you are as a person. And, yeah. and some people think of their hair as part of their person. I, you know, maybe I would have said no. Like there's a lot of reasons though. Oh, of course. Like there's, I heard a, another version of that story where Callus they tested him and I, and this could be wrong. This could be a dead wrong story. But the story I had heard was that they, Don went up to check in for a flight and they gave him a first class ticket. And then he, he, what he should have done is say, oh, this has to be a mistake. And then went to someone like Undertaker who had seniority on the crew and say, hey, uh, did you get upgraded to first class? And when he says, no, I'm in coach. Oh, well, they made a mistake with my ticket. Take this and trade off and go to coach, right? But apparently he had walked around bright, like excited that he was getting bumped to first class. Yeah, of course. I'd heard him. that story. Now, that's probably not true, but I'll throw it out there. That's what, I, that's what I'd heard. Well, I was about his hair. That's all I know. <laughs> um. What is the thing, so over 50 years, yeah. you promoted the, the shows at the Winnipeg Arena with Ric Flair. You did Bulldog Bob Brown versus Bruiser Brody at, at Winnipeg yes, Arena. Yes. There's so many big things. What is the things that you're the most proud of that you accomplished? Every one of them. That uh, take my sort of, they don't have to. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I worked for Vern for a long time, right? With yeah. Gagne and uh, until the end, it came to an argument, but beside the point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot from those people. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying anything that I didn't learn from them. That's what I learned at all in the sense. That's still learning. Well, that's how it was for me. I learned a ton of stuff yeah. as a teenager working for you. So I, I'd, I'd started out as a local flunky, 
And then you booked me as a ref. And that was the first time I was ever around anyone that had done anything. I remember you booked my first show. I was in the, I was in the van on the floor with Christian and Rhino in the car. And uh, Rick Martel was on the show. It was the first time I'd ever seen anybody that had made a living in the business, right? Because there you go. Before that, I'd worked Chalmers Community Club with a bunch of guys that maybe loved the business, but none had gone and made a real living in Did the business. Did they buy a Coke at least? Uh, did you or buy me a Pepsi? Coke? You took care. You, you took good no, care I'm of me. I'm talking about uh, working here in the city. Did you, uh, well, they, whatever, whatever some was. nights you got five dollars. Some oh, nights you got you go. ten. Sometimes yeah. some nights you got none. But as a 16 or 17 year old, that was part of paying your dues. But I learned. I I remember one road trip. It was JT Atlas, who you know you introduced him to Debbie Combs, and that lit his career on fire. Another guy <laughs> you helped make, and uh, JT Atlas, myself, and I think Scott Demore might have been in the car, and we drove like five hours to catch a plane to fly to a reserve and just having the opportunity to listen to you just talk about why why guys have to take the business more serious and what a promoter like yourself would expect from that it was invaluable and stuff that i then later applied to everything i ever tried to do as a promoter you you always so the thing with when tony candelo runs a show is there's a business behind it right it's the tickets are pre-sold to sponsors. The sponsors have been hustled. You've worked hard to make sure the event is is economically successful. And then you try to put together the roster for that show. It must drive you absolutely batshit crazy when these promoters nowadays just put a ring up, rent a building, and, and roll the dice. Well, you see, Mike, is the talent that uh, the most important thing, forget the promoter and the... Uh for a second, if I have a, let's say, I'm talking good wrestlers. Yeah. I mean, top-notch wrestlers that will work for me for $20 or for nothing or a meal. Hey, listen, I'd be a rich man, wouldn't I? Yeah. Okay? <laughs> well, I would be, right? Yeah. And promoters that do that and they treat their wrestlers for whatever they pay them. Yeah. And, uh, hey, it's good for the promoter. He makes the money, right? Yeah. No problem at all. Uh, for example... I know, I'm going to say, I'm not going to mention their name, but I know the most expensive uh, promotion that I know of, their, their, their cost is no more than a thousand bucks for the evening. Okay? Yeah, that's so, insane. Well, a thousand bucks. I was, WFX, $30,000 a oh, night. Oh, we know that. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. But beside the point, and if you tell them that, they don't believe you. No. Why they don't believe you? Well, because they think it's insane that anyone would try to swing that high. There you go. Yeah. But you know, you've been there. You know exactly what he's saying. Yeah. And uh, I got a case the other day that uh, they, 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 they got $30 <laughs> for the event, which whatever they pay, it's not too bad. Yeah. But it cost him $340 for gas. Nobody paid his gas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's out 310 Yeah, 310 yeah. But he was there. Yeah. But he and showed then, up like a professional and did his job. Yeah. But, he, but it cost him a fortune to do it. Yeah. For what reason? Yeah. They'll never go anywhere, Mike. Exactly. Especially today. It's bad business. Oof. So... 50 years in the business. Would you call yourself a ribber? Do you like pulling ribs? I like to joke around on the road, of course. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, depends what kind of ribs. You know, Sometimes <laughs> it's too too far of a rib, right? Yeah. Like somebody, uh, I heard it was you, but <laughs> I heard it was you. Somebody put it in there that I died. I know exactly what happened. I can but tell whatever. you. It, it was not me. But, okay, wasn't it you? No. Well, I got, you, the, you got the blame. It was a frame up. Like somebody... At the time, so what happened, somebody used an email address that looked like Andrew Shellcross yeah. and sent a sent a death notice to Dave Meltzer. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. It's terrible. I'm glad that you made it to 80 because this, this was 2008, 15 years ago almost. And it said, uh, my deepest condolences, Tony Candelo has passed away <laughs> last night. <laughs> I, I know who did it, but. Who it did was, it? It doesn't matter. Honestly, I'm going to be pissed off at him. Do I know the guy? Yeah. Who is that? Uh, well, what's the difference? He's, he's, his initials are Danny Duggan. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but oh, at the hate. time, every rib was blamed on yeah. me no matter what. And yeah. so Danny po posted this thing, and yeah. it was a tribute. And it, he said great things, but you, let me tell the whole story. So Meltzer gets it, and he immediately texts uh, Chris Jericho, and he said, I just heard Tony Candelo's passed away. Yeah. And so 
Jericho then lets Callus know, hey, yeah. is it true that Tony's right. passed away? And Callus is beside himself. The story is that the guy who got ribbed the worst in this was probably Callus because he. the story that went around a couple of days later was that Callus had heard it and he yeah. went driving around all night waiting for signs of life at your house and, he's, <laughs> and he found out you were yeah, I heard that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then everyone was calling you to tell you how great it was that you were still alive. There so you have it. Was, it. Yeah. Big, big comeback. I'm still here. Yeah. Hot comeback. Yeah. So that, and it, I remember when, when I was told it was going to happen, I was like, what's the, there's no rib here because the next day Tony's just going to say he's alive. And the guy's like. Mike, talking about ribs, ribs like that. Yeah. It's a no-no. I'm going to tell you why. If you marry, you got kids, right? My yes. kids are out of town. I got yeah. grandchildren <laughs> there, right? And they hear that, you know. That, oh, that, yeah. That, like, you know, it's traumatizing. Rib, rib me personally, but if <laughs> yeah. you... If you have uh, somebody else in your life, it's not a good thing. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. When it starts making news rounds <laughs> yeah. and you and you got to anyway. answer phone calls, yeah. So the person who did it thought it was a harmless rib, and 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 I told you what his initials were. And there you go. Yeah, but it was it was funny because Andrew it. Shellcross was everyone was beside themselves and everyone yeah. was mad. I got the heat, yeah. and I I actually didn't do it. It was around the same it time as the Roku period. It's not, it's not a type of rib to play in anybody. Yeah, that type of. Rib. How many other ribs have been pulled or you've seen that over the 50 years? What are some other ribs you saw? Oh, well, I remember a time, uh, of course, the reservation. Jeshla Hogg had a pig. <laughs> a pet pig used to bring to the yeah. ring. So I'm sucked out. I'm sleeping in, the, of course, in the, uh, uh, everybody slept in the uh, gym, gymnasium in the school, right? Yep. So I'm laying down in a corner there. So what they did was, I think it was a uh, landstorm. I think it was Edge there. I forgot who was there. Anyway, they play a rib with me. They put a trail of cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Arrived to my crotch. <laughs> I'm sleeping. So what does the pig do? He follows the cookies. Bit, bit, and I felt something scratching, you know, and uh, you're sleeping, right? Yeah. I didn't realize who was doing this. That didn't work. So what they're doing, they put another trail of cookies to my face. <laughs> So that woke me up. And when I opened my eyes, what, what <laughs> the do pig I is right no Oh, did I jump? <laughs> but I, anyway, then I grabbed a hockey stick chasing the goddamn guys. <laughs> chasing the guys or the pig? No, the guys. Oh, yeah. You, they, wanted, they hiding. you wanted a receipt. Oh, yeah, it's a good rib, know. though. Yeah, Didn't it's, they? Oh, it's a hell of a I rib. also heard that somebody put Tiger Bomb in the ref's sh uh, sh pants. Like uh, yeah, deep heat. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was refereeing. <laughs> was it you? That yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, they, they, who did that? Who put the tiger? I forgot who the guy was. Someone got you good. Oh. What happened? Well, they put it in my my, my trunks, right? Yeah. Without me knowing anything, and so it's on your crotch. Oh, did he burn, my I'll tell you, I was scratching. <laughs> then left. Oh, right. that was an incredible rib that one. So this is what's amazing about you is the boys have always felt comfortable. You're you've been yeah, so good yeah. to them that they felt like a lot of times your boss will fire you. And, and this was up north where if you yeah. left them behind, they're dead. And and they felt so comfortable. You you were so good at making them feel like one of the team that yeah. they felt comfortable ribbing you. I think that's why so many guys always speak so fondly about their time working for you. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? You got, you, you traveling 10, 15, 20, pick any, any hours that you want. Yep. On uh, winter roads, it's get boring, right? So you got to <laughs> joke around and yep. pull ribs or whatever we do, right? And uh, I try to be like, give an example, let's talk Vince McMahon all the time because yep. he's one of the biggest, he was one of the biggest, now we're going to beat him anyway, right? <laughs> Beside the point. Uh that he, he sticks by himself. He doesn't, he doesn't talk to the wrestlers. He's got yeah. too many agents, right? Yeah, he separates himself. I tried to do that. I couldn't take it. No. Because part, part of what it is is the laughs and the, yeah. and the good times. Yeah. How was it with Bulldog Bob Brown? Bulldog Bob Brown was Bulldog Bob Brown. He wrestled his own way, he old-timer type of uh, wrestling. And, yeah. And I, I remember one time Bulldog says to Chris Jericho, who was, was the same card, Hey, kid, you'll never make it because you're taking too many bumps. <laughs> okay, there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was Bulldog. But he was, you know, I like Bulldog and whatever. And, you know, he, the way he was wrestling was wrestling. He liked uh, old-timer uh, type of wrestler. That's who he was, right? Yeah. He could never take it, the... The moves today, you could never do that. No. Because he was, he was that way, right? Then the poor guy dies, right? I remember one time at a local show here, he gets a heart attack. 
He had a heart attack. He had a heart attack here locally on one of my shows. Yeah. And he's foamed from his mouth. <laughs> Ambulance comes along, takes him away. He turns and says, Tony, can I have an advance? Can you believe that guy? But anyway, that poor guy's dead, right? Yeah. But he helped pave the road for a lot of local guys as well. Yeah. I don't even know, like, how you do it. You're still going on the northern roads and doing the death. Or, well, the, it's not the death tour. Wavel Star actually had a very good point about that. But you do the you do the tour up north to all those remote remote communities. Thirty hours on winter roads. There's been documentaries about it. What is it that fuels you to keep doing it every year? Tell you why. I made a deal with a guy named Phil Fontaine many years yep, ago. Used to be Grand Chief. Yeah, he was Grand Chief. Yep. Yeah, once. And he says to me, that time, Stone, I'll give you new territories for you to promote wrestling. Yeah. Right, I've been everywhere, I said. Yep. No, you haven't. I've never seen wrestling alive. And he gave me all those reservations. Eh? Yeah. But you got to promise me one thing. When you go there, you got to talk to the kids. Mm-hmm. About what? Yeah. Drugs? <laughs> and no, he says, you got to talk about education. Stay away from drugs. Uh, no gang related and so forth. All good things yeah. for the kids. Yeah. Phil, I give my word. And I kept my word up to date. When, what year did you start the tours? 74, I believe. 74. Something so like that. Are you going to do two more years so that it can be 50 years of, of Northern Tours? I'm booked the next year in February. Yeah. There's two uh, two filmmakers from Montreal. Yeah. That I made a deal with them already. They're going to give me a few bucks for giving the permission to do it. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be filmed. It's going to be showing on CBC across Canada and CBC Quebec. Yeah. So it'll so, be in French too. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. uh, something like that. So. That's already scheduled for February, because we were scheduled three years ago. But because of the COVID, couldn't 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 make yep. a move, right? Mm-hmm. And that was it. So that's talking about TV. August twenty seventh. No, that's my event in Grand Beach. <laughs> August twenty first. I'll be on A and E Entertainment Channel. Uh, Arts and Entertainment. Arts and Entertainment. With, yep. We're talking huge about, network. I never knew what A&E was. Yeah. So I thought it uh, was Antonio or something. <laughs> but beside the point, I understand it's a big station. Oh, yeah. Bill uh, Curtis used look. to be on there. Eh? Who? Bill Curtis used really? to be the guy. used to be A&E Investigative Reports. Really? Eh? Yeah. So I got a call from Edge, actually. And it says, Tony, we'd like you to be in Toronto. We're making this documentary on Edge. And uh, hey, put me over. He says, tell the exact what was going on up north, whatever, yeah. the, the way I started. It'd be, uh, say, you know what, there's no problem. Important part of his story would be yeah. what you could sell. But anyway, they flew me up there and treated me like a king. Yeah. I was all Kogan there for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and they paid me really well. Yeah. And uh, that's about it. It's almost like a, you think about it, all those roads that, that climax and yeah. you being able to tell a, a piece of the edge story of why he's a special human being and a special talent for WWE. Yeah. I think that's, sometimes it, it, it gets to me when guys like Piper or guys like Callus, maybe they don't really give you the credit you deserve for all, especially Callus, for all the things you did to set the table for him. Like Callus was made on your TV yeah, you from know, 1988 seven, until seven years, my friend. 1995. Yeah, it was all seven about years. him. And then there was but, like Martel. You, you basically set the table. It went guys like Baron Von Raschke and Ken Patera, then it was Jim Brunzel, then it was Rick Martell, and then he got to bring in all the people he wanted with IWA yep. Hardcore TV. Yes. Yeah. No, and that's a prime example of of the Tony Candelo fingerprint. When you wanted to make, when you wanted to help somebody, they got helped, and, it, and it's undeniable. Yep. And Edge is another one. You know, there's there's probably countless others, Christian. But, uh, and I'm glad that Edge was was able to do it. I know Jericho mentioned you in his book, but some guys, they I don't think they ever give you enough credit where it's due. You see, the reason that Piper never put me over a bit, give me a couple lines in his book. Yeah. Because those days I gave him a licking. That's the yeah. reason Well, for you it. were breaking him in. You are trying, yeah. to, you're trying he, to get him on the right track. Yeah, all that against me all the way through, right? Yeah. But that's beside the point. But I got to say one thing about Piper. He told me what he wants to be. It's unbelievable. Says Tony, I like to work for a big company. Yeah, which was WWF. Yeah, I want to be a movie star. Which yeah, he, was. he became a very successful movie star. Yeah, and his dream came through. That's yeah. all I know. But From he worked hard. He was he, he had the gift of the app, as you know. Yeah. So you have a, a big event coming up. It's going to be your first event after your 80th birthday. Uh, what was the date again? August 27th, Grand Marais. What I mean, can the what? Who's on the show? Well, you know what? I brought a poster here because. Uh, you get eight years old and you can't remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they tell me. 
Here's a poster. I'll let you read it yourself. All right, I'll read the poster. Yeah, I see Wavel Star. Yeah. Wavel Star. Adam Knight, our friend Adam Knight, well, is on this show. We, we might have to hang yeah. that up in the studio. Bobby Sharp, another friend of the show. Yeah. Who is Kylie Rose? Where is she from, Tony? She's from uh, Calgary, I believe. Yeah, who trained her? Well, it doesn't matter. I, th I think it was Bobby Sharp. I think. Okay, so sure. Kylie Rose will definitely take on Kat Von Hees. Oh, the coach, Kelly Russell's on the show. This is good. Kat Von Hees, she's classified one of the strongest lady in North America today. Yeah, she's a power lifter. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Schink, I hear tons of great things about him. Who's yeah. this guy? Mars. He's from uh, Edmonton or Calgary. One of the, okay, he's so he's coming good, in from Western good Canada. Worker, yeah. Yeah, after party at Sandbar Restaurant and Bar. Yep. Doors open 6 p.m. It's August the 27th. Grand Marais Rec Center, Tony Candelo. And I, I got to be honest, at this point, you've been doing it for 50 years as a promoter. You started in 72. That's only yesterday, Mike, 50 years. I know, years. I know. I'm, <laughs> But it's like, it's kind of like when we talk about what events people should go to. Even if you've been to 20 Tony Candelo shows, it's almost like, I, I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to compare this to something. When Clint Eastwood puts out a movie, the last one I went, it, when it came to the theater, I didn't see the last one in the theater. Right. But when The Mule opened up, my buddy Good Time Gordon and I, we wanted to go see the Clint Eastwood movie because it's getting to that point where it's like, it's you might be seeing, like, you're not going to promote another thousand wrestling shows. You've probably promoted 10,000 by now, right? So people have to make a point of when Tony Candelo is going to promote a show, go. Because you could be watching, you know, history. So, well, yeah, and you could be seeing the next Edge, next Christian, could next be Ryan. You could, yeah, yeah, you you just don't know. Well, Bobby some of the Shane. guys, some of the guys that uh, I promote and do some events, they have the possibility, mm -hmm. but they got to get lucky too, eh? right? There's a lineup of, uh, like, say WWE right now. They have a lineup from here to Portage Avenue. Wrestlers waiting. Yeah. So sometimes it's who you know to get in there. Yeah. If they like you, that you know, they, they like I said, they make you rich. Yeah, there you go, um, Tony. Thank you so much for making time for us on your birthday. That was once I looked at the calendar and I saw August eighth is going to be Tony Candelo's eightieth birthday party, and it's the same day our show goes live. I was like, we got to have Tony in studio that day. I was going to bake you a cake, but trust me, you're happy I did. I cannot eat sweets. I got sugar diabetes. Well, then I would have eaten the cake for you. But if there was a cake here, like every wrestling show, when there's a cake, it would have ended up in one of we our always, faces. It would have had to go in one of our faces. Yeah. that's classic. It would have been producer Chris's face. There of course go. but thank you so much uh, thank you for coming to the studio thank you for all the things you've done for the business over 50 years uh i barely scratched the surface i i could have talked more and i'll have you on again to talk more about you know when you worked for, with jim crockett and you worked with yeah. bill watts, bill watts and, all those boys yeah and why jim ross always mentions you on aew tv any chance he gets um but what an amazing career and what an amazing person you've been and what an influence you've been on me over the years so my advice so my advice to any local wrestlers that are, are they call themselves wrestlers today don't let any teaching go through you by showing you a headlock or a couple of moves and push in front of an audience. My suggestion is you got to be in a gym, get a little bit of muscle, look like a wrestler, you know, a little bit, or at least get in shape and get teaching properly by the right person. Don't walk around and say, oh, I'm a wrestler. That's the most of the guys want to do. I, I'm a wrestler. But you know what? You don't look like one, so yeah, forget it. It's a big part of it. So you got to work hard, and I wish you all the best of luck. The Total Bees She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total Bees She's Show on Twitter at Total Bees She's, on Instagram at Total Bees She's, or search us on Facebook, Total Bees She's. This is Wayne Stanton from Episode 6 of the Total Bees She's Show. If you're not listening to this podcast, I think you're a coward. All right, we're back once again, and boy, that was so, so much fun having Tony in here. I can't believe you were able to swing it. I mean, the guy, he's on TV. He's all over TV these days. He's going to be on A&E right away, and he was here in the Total B. She's studio. Happy 80th birthday to Tony Candelo, and I'm going to tell you, we are going to do a second part with him. Today, it was more about 50 years as a promoter and 80 years birthday. Um, but uh, you know what? Actually, what would be great when he, right before he does his show with... Uh, 
Wavell and Bobby Sharp, some friends of our, of the show. We should maybe try to get maybe a group together, and we can we can yeah. maybe do a B She's with Cat Von He's and and Bobby She's Bobby Sharp and and Wavell Star and Tony. I think that would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. I'm going to see what we can put together for that. Um, but no, Tony, so gracious with his time, and every chance I ever get to see him, I always, I never, there's never enough. You know, I used to go and see him at the Pony Corral on Grant, and we yep. go sit out on the patio and just shoot the she's. I always learn something every time I talk to the man, and I, I'm grateful for it. Oh yeah, and, and you and you said to me uh, when we went off air there, you said, hey, you know, we could have done this for four more hours, and you know, you weren't yeah. wrong because. Yeah. We, we did what we did, whatever it was for time, but it flew by. Like it felt like five minutes. So it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but we're moving on now to fan questions. Okay. And we got a couple of them queued up for you. Um, this one, uh, very apropos because recently Ric Flair had his final match. Of course, it's uh, coming in from John. John says, Hey, Mike and Chris love the show as a promoter. Mike, do you wish that you could have promoted Ric Flair's last match? <laughs> okay. And what were your thoughts on the match? Uh, of course, I wish I could promote something like Ric Flair's last match. Um, Conrad Thompson did an amazing job with that, by the way. Uh, he managed it like it, as part of Starcast, and he and he rode on the coattails of SummerSlam, and and Flair being involved and willing to wrestle at seventy-seven. They did a good job of telling a story with it. I thought Rick looked. 77 years old, unfortunately. And he, he looked every bit of it. You know, though, it's funny. I would go to a Rolling Stones concert or I'd go see Rod Stewart or I'd go see Paul McCartney. Same thing. You know, it's really, really equals out that way. I guess so. I, I saw the, his match, uh, from all accounts, the rest of the show is fantastic, but I saw his match on online and I, yeah, but I'd, be, what, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't dis- disappointed. And it's not like I expected 56-year-old Ric Flair, but it was like everything was in slow motion. And I guess, what do you expect for that age? But also, like, I, I just felt like, I, I, I'll i come out and say it. I feel like he tarnished his legacy a little no, bit. No, I he do. did not. He did not. I think he did. I think he's done other things that have hurt his legacy. Definitely. And that this one didn't hurt. Uh, I think... The thing I admired about what he did is he was saying, I want to do this because I want to do it. Let's be honest. There was a financial reason for him and Conrad to do it, but he stuck to his guns. I'm not the biggest Ric Flair apologist. I used to be a huge Ric Flair fan. When Ric Flair jumped from, from WCW to WWF in 91, I thought it was going to be the biggest thing for the business. When he re- returned to WWF in November of 2001, I thought it was going to be the, it was a great yeah shot in the arm for WWF right around the time where they needed it after they'd put WCW out of business. Um, the problem for, for Rick is there's been a lot of mistakes along the way. This was not one of those mistakes. Uh, would I love to have promoted it? Absolutely. But it, it, that's a, a special opportunity that Conrad had. They had him wear the original big gold belt. And I thought like, realistically, they lost an opportunity from a marketing standpoint to put a different, like, put a different version of that belt on and say, this is the belt Ric Flair wore in his last match. Well, that, that, yeah, that belt specifically was, is the one that's been sort of lost that that's the lost big gold. That's the original big gold. That's been supposedly lost for 20 years. But Conrad's had it for however long. Well, yeah. And Conrad got it. There's all kinds of stories about how he got it, but yeah. it involves a shoebox full of money in a parking lot. Well, um, and, and Conrad has a shoebox full of money. He's got this several, is a guy that really has done an amazing job in the industry with what he has done. Yes. And he's a hardworking son of a bitch. Sure so I, I don't begrudge it. Like this guy gets up and he runs a business that's successful and he promotes a business that's successful. And then he started this podcast empire. And I'll tell you, like everyone said, he was just a mark for flair when he did the deal to get Pritchard's podcast. And that one exploded. If that one didn't explode, he might not have ever been successful. No. And he's got, now he's got multiple podcasts, Absolutely. a whole that, network that are turning like six figures. Like yeah. he's, he's uh he's the man. Yeah. And I, I think he did a great job and I think, you know, in many respects, he did a, a better job of creating a hype on something that was harder to hype than AEW did when they when they launched. Yeah. There was people who wanted, who thirsted for AEW's launch. Nobody was thirsting for a 77-year-old Ric Flair match, and they made it mean something, and people watched it, so they did their job. Yeah, they, they absolutely. They, they did their job. Whether people are disappointed or not, it's another story. Oh, screw them if they are. 
Well, that's me. What are you, <laughs> say, what are you saying, Mike Davidson? Next one. Okay. Uh, Mike, what's your favorite podcast besides your own? What's that word you like to say? Apropos? Apropos. Uh, that you question, hate, hate those questions, those, yes, I do. Those questions dovetail together beautifully. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like I listen to... Oh, sorry, that was from Shelly. Okay. I forgot to mention that. Shelly is a girl or a guy? I don't know. Because it could be Shelly Ostroff, but oh. I don't think he emails. Could be Alex Shelly. Oh, I don't think so. Um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to true crime podcasts, the unsolved mysteries podcast, which is basically, yep. the, it derives from the original TV series. I like that one. Um, uh, I'm a big JFK assassination mark. That's right. And so like, if you, if there's a JFK assassination conspiracy podcast, I generally listen to those. Uh, you never learn enough about it or hear different theories. Um, wrestling wise, I listen to, I'm a big fan of Cornette's. I love Brian last. I yep. think he's amazing. Um, he's probably the best co-host there is in the industry. Yep. Um, yeah, I like Arn Anderson's. I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, he's two years in. Like everybody keeps telling me it's, every, it's fantastic. Though. The thing about Arn is he is recounting his story and I love his story. Yeah. So, um, I, I listen to Bischoff's all the time and I learn stuff in Bischoff's. Um, and I used to listen to Pritchard's all the time, but since he became so entrenched with WWE and running that, it isn't as good. Yeah. Um, and plus, how do you keep a podcast interesting five years when you're talking about history, right? Absolutely. Um, so I like I like a lot of different podcasts. You know one, and I really like, and this is going to sound self-serving, but Play Like a Jet, Scott yeah, Mason. Scott Mason. I've listened to that a few times, like probably four times in the last two, six weeks. Because, but he's daily, like yeah. it's a lot of content. Like you have to be a diehard New York Jets fan. Yes. But I listen to it because it's like, I love sports content. Like even, even if it's specific to a team or a player, I still like the content. So I listen to all of that. David Bastel used to have a podcast called Bastel's Bites. It was so good. Yeah. I wish he'd continued with it. Um, but yeah, wrestling, it's Bischoff or it's anything Brian Last is hosting with Jim Cornette. And, um... Unsolved Mysteries, I would say. And yeah. anything JFK related. For what's me, your, what's for yours? Wrestling wise, uh, Jim Cornette, and I don't listen to it as much as I used to. I used to be an ardent listener. Now I I just kind of catch it when I, if I've got a long road trip for my, uh, you know, shoot gig, yeah. then I'll listen to it on the road. But that's the one I go to for wrestling. It'll be either the drive through or whatever. Um, I have listened to Eric Bischoff's before. It was good. Uh, Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett's is good. Is good. Is really good. And then non wrestling, my probably my favorite podcast of all time is WTF with Mark Marin. Yeah. And follow that up probably with it's a tough call. Life is life is short with Justin Long. Yeah. And um, armchair expert with Dak Shepard. One note about Jeff Jarrett's podcast, I like it, but he is not credible. And I'll tell you where he lost credibility with me. They did an episode about the holding up Vince McMahon, and the story is that Bob Hawley said in his book that. Shane McMahon wanted to go out there and fight with Jeff Jarrett. And Jeff Jarrett said, no, it wasn't true. That never happened. Jeff Jarrett in his own podcast said he never went to the back because he was worried about heat yeah. he, he was going to face. So he could not say what Bob Hawley saw Shane McMahon say. Now, let me tell you something. When Jeff Jarrett says, oh, nobody was like that, nobody was that mad, they were told, hey, it's going to cost you this much for me to get in the ring with China. Yeah. You're going to tell me that somebody like Shane McMahon who could hold his own wasn't going to Vince saying, let me go talk to him. Like, trust me. Does that not sound believable to you? Yeah, it sounds believable. Yeah. So Jeff Jarrett was like, oh, that's just wrestlers. I know Bob Hawley very well, and I've read Bob Hawley's book cover to cover. Bob Hawley wasn't talking about himself, so there's he had no motive to embellish. Now, it's not like Bob Hawley was saying, hey, I should have been the champion or this. It was not a self-serving story. Let me tell you something. That day when he was holding up Vince to go back to WCW and he wanted X amount of dollars to drop the strap or he wasn't going to do business and they weren't going to be able to get the match in the ring, there was probably guys who said, "Let's uh, let me deal with this." Yeah, well, I would not be surprised to, to hear that there was a guy like The Undertaker in the back with his fist taped up ready to go. In WFX, although this never happened in WFX, if I had somebody who was screwing with the business as a whole, trust me, there were guys that would say, I will take care of this if you need it taken care of. Yes. And that was WFX. That was not WWE. And no. that wasn't Shane McMahon, the son of the CEO. There's supposed to be guys like that in every locker room, whether it's WFX, WWE, or 
LPW, Live Pro Wrestling, there yep. should be a, a, a locker room leader, a locker room cop in every locker room. Next week, I'll tell you about locker room cops. Hold me to it. Yeah, we're going to talk I'm, about And that. I'm going to put over Adam Knight for once. Oh, my God. You the locker it. room cop of them all. We we have to end it there because Mike Davidson put over Adam Knight. I did not put him over yet, but <laughs> next week I will put over Adam Knight for once. All right, Mike. Well, I, do you have any parting words? Yes. Happy birthday to Tony Candelo, 80 years. I hope it. I hope you go 80 more forever. You will always be a legend in my mind, a guy with a legacy that, that I couldn't even scratch. I'm humbled to have the opportunity to interview him on his 80th birthday. Thank you for, on such a busy day, coming in and, and giving us your time. Thank you, Chris, for everything you've done for the Total She Show. And to the listeners who send us messages every week, it's the thing that fuels us to keep pushing. And on that note, Glenn Goza, do it for us. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the iron claw as only the Vaughn Erics can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on, every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Boy, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?